Hello and welcome to another episode of Over Drinkers. I am Bike Merge, as usual, <laughs> your host here with the beautiful voice. And uh, today I am joined by... Karami Jolajewski. And? Brian Castellano. He doesn't know how to say his name wrong. No, uh, and today we're doing, another, uh, <laughs> we're doing another um, uh, Star Wars uh, that kind of sounds like a Star Wars name, actually. Karami Jolajeski. Karami Jolajeski. Yeah. yeah, wow, it really does. It's just like a bunch of random sounds thrown together. Yeah. It sounds exactly like a Star Wars name. Perfect. Jeremy Kolajeski even kind of sounds like that. You just need to get rid of that normal person first name. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you need. Ben Kolajeski. Oh, there you hey, go. Yeah, that fixes everything. Um, and today we're talking about uh, Star Wars Episode 4. Tentatively titled A New Hope to Some uh, for the 40th anniversary. Star Wars was, uh, we're releasing this podcast on uh, May 25th, mm-hmm. which is uh, the 40th anniversary of 40 Star years. Wars. Jesus. I can't believe it's been 40, 40 years. years. I remember Four that decades. day. I remember May 25th, 1977. Like I actually yesterday. don't. I'm lying. And uh, today for Overdrinkers, we are actually partaking of some delicious, nutritious blue milk. Yep. As seen in the uh, the home of the uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's. It's also featured in Rogue One, which That's people freaked out really about. Good, actually. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very briefly seen in Mads Mikkelsen's I home. haven't dr- drank uh, a glass of milk in over 20 years. So How's it taste? It's it's good. I like it. Good. It's it's blue, so I'm, I'm right I'm right. I mean, they're the, making everything the different colors things. these days. Ketchup was purple and green for oh, a little God. while there. That didn't last too long. I don't remember that. <clears throat> that was gross. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, forty years. Uh, we just we just watched Star Wars together, mm-hmm. uh, all alone. Specifically, a um, like a despecialized edition, which was uh, super rare. Yeah, which... I've got the uh, I've got the DVDs that have the uh, the original uh, cuts on the bonus discs. Uh, very, very hard to find. Uh, they were released like very briefly. They weren't out there that long and then they cut them back. Uh, but I was able to get, get some and, uh, I, I gave them all a recent good cleaning cause I've been lending them out and people have just been scratching them up. Cause I don't know, people don't know how to take care of DVDs and stuff. And these ones are very important to me. So I need to stop lending them out. I'll still lend out my Turkish Star Wars. <laughs> say. You guys can. <laughs> if you don't know what Turkish Star Wars is, that's what Google's for. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for. So, um, yeah. So this was Jeremy. This was your first time seeing the D specialized, the normal, the original. I suppose cut. so. I suppose so. I it's kind of yeah. jarring, like not seeing that Lucasfilm like sparkly yeah. Yeah. logo come up and not see Episode. For a new hope, it just goes mm-hmm. Star Wars, Rebels and shit. Like it just starts yeah. right into it. I like it though. It's very tight. Mm-hmm. It was very uh, like it just gets to the point. It's just Star Wars ass Star Wars. Is what you remember? Mm-hmm. And and, yeah, like I really wanted to focus on today too, like the uh, talking about you know because we could talk about Star Wars uh, for hours, which we have before. Uh, but pretty much focusing on what makes A New Hope, because it's it's A New Hope, it's episode four's 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what makes that movie so special? Like, even like trying to separate it from the continuity and the grand scheme of everything, which is very hard because mm-hmm. that's one of the things that makes Star Wars such a cultural phenomenon is that it's, it's seethed its way into just about every aspect of culturalism 
and consumerism mm-hmm. as you could possibly think. Yeah. And it's really hard to ever just kind of think about Luke Skywalker as a dude that flies a ship at the end of a movie instead yeah. of like losing his hand yeah, and yeah. Uh, fighting on Jabba's barge. The Jedi, and, the Jedi he becomes. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to think about like what is Star Wars Episode Four, the first Star Wars, mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yeah, it's somewhat it's, humble beginnings. You know, it really, yeah. yeah, and and everybody looks so good. I mean, yeah. it's like uh, everybody's a baby in A New Hope, and then everybody looks real good in Empire, mm-hmm. and then everybody's kind of like getting a little old in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> even though it's only like six years. Yeah, it was like, like a stressful six years. It was like they were all presidents. Well, it doesn't help that uh, Mark Hamill got into the motorcycle accident after shooting. Was it a motorcycle accident or th- a car accident? I, I thought it was a motorcycle accident. It could be a car accident. Okay, because I it, thought it was a car accident this whole time, but I might be wrong. Yeah, it messed up his face like pretty good. So he like lost a lot of his like youthful yeah, kind of... Yeah, and that's why they write in that whole uh, with the... With the, the, wamp- the, the, the Wampa. The Wampa, yeah. The Wampa hitting, scratching him in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes but sense that's an empire. The, it makes right, sense right, in right. the story Sorry. too because, you know, they, they've been through war. War really uh, stresses yeah. you out. War stresses it, you out. It ages yeah. you. So mm-hmm. that makes sense in the context of the story. Yeah, because they look like Harrison Ford looks so young here. And we were talking mm-hmm. about Chewbacca, how like when he first shows up, like he looks, it looks real. That looks like a thing walking around where there's hair all over its body. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like a suit. Like in The Force Awakens and even in like uh, the prequels when, when uh, he started... Uh, for a moment there too, can we please just understand that when people say the prequels, everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though we live in a world of yeah. prequels and sequels and reboots, yeah. when you still say the prequels, mm-hmm. everyone knows. It's probably the most famous prequels out there. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's a big one. I mean, the amount of money the prequels made and just how people talk about like Star Wars, they always refer to it as the prequels. Yeah. And it's just the internet completely took over that word to be talking about like the prequels and like what it did wrong or like what they like about it mm-hmm. but it's it's red letter media especially uh just love to coin the term the prequels and like didn't even say the star wars prequels yeah they're just talking about that's that. true yeah that might be my own personal like taste in that because i've watched those red letter media videos tons and tons yeah, of times it's, it's like me, a, me too it's actually a christmas tradition for me to watch at least one plinket video on christmas <laughs> it's really good that's great uh but what i was saying before in the prequels chewbacca and in the force awakens the costume that they have is like it's too clean it's too neat mm-hmm. like his his mm-hmm. head is kind of like a dome and it's just like his hair just looks too clean and like that's we were talking about in empire that's the chewbacca that looks the best because mm-hmm. it looks like he's actually got like hair yeah. on the top of his head and like he's got like a dew it's not and it's like all sh- yeah because yeah, they've been in hiding mm-hmm. that's the best one mm-hmm. The new one, like, I cannot believe how creepy Chewbacca looks in that new movie. And then he's got fingers all of a sudden. Like, I think that's one of the biggest revelations. Yeah, the finger gloves that they put got, on Yeah, him. the finger. Yeah. I, I always thought it was that. paws. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense. He wouldn't be able to, like, turn knobs and stuff on a Millennium Falcon. You know, he, hold a, that gun. That gun, yeah, that obviously has a trigger. Mm. I don't know. I, I guess I just... We always assumed... That he had fingers, we just don't need to see it. It's mm-hmm. a lot like the penis on most people. <laughs> I could. I assume that you two have penises, but I just don't need to see. I don't need to see yeah. them. Yeah. And when you see them, you're kind of like it, you lose the magic. I could have sworn the old action figure I had of Chewbacca had fingers on it. Yeah. Did it really? Yeah. Yeah. To hold Jeez. the gun. To hold the gun. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so. I mean, it had like a C hand. You know, like yeah, 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 yeah totally. It had like a Lego hand yeah, where it's yeah. like just puts shit in there. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the gloves they had in 77 just didn't, didn't look good. 
and they were they just like look kind of weird and yeah stuff, and so. this time they were able to just get like super tight like oh that's there. in these in these new movies they like they 3d print everything so they know like what it's gonna look like in every corner of every costume mm-hmm. and they're just prepared for it and i'm sure they measure peter mayhew's hands like yeah. perfectly yeah so mm-hmm. it perfectly fits on his hand we live in exciting times and yeah. I, th- I think one of the best things about uh the first Star Wars movie is just how it looks and how dirty it all looks. Yeah. It's like a lived-in universe. Yeah. George Lucas was It really is, like, the definition. Like, there's all these terms, like, lived-in universes and, like, uh, classic hero's journey mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like, uh, discovering places and giving just a little bit of information but not too much. Like, all mm-hmm. these different things that make some of the best, like, fantasy or sci-fi or, like, blockbuster mm-hmm. movies. And Star Wars really, like made those executed them perfectly and made those the go-to tools to use Mm -hmm. you know because a lot of they call star wars like it's the first blockbuster jaws was Uh uh but star wars was the first one that really on that consumerism again that one that really like you know jaws had posters and Mm t-shirts but like star wars was just like this was george lucas's whole idea he's like I want to retain the rights to the merchandise Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make something that's going to have so much shit in it and we're going to make toys of all this shit. Mm -hmm. You know, like that whole scene on Tatooine when they're inside the Jawa uh, freighter that's got all those robots. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm going to make a fucking toy out of Mm -hmm. each and every one of these motherfuckers. So let's get a lot of them in there Mm because I want to make a bunch of money and look, that's what he did. Yeah. And Star Wars gets a bad rap and a good rap for that. Like, it created blockbusters, so now we have that spectacle. Mm-hmm. You know, that movies are released in the summer uh, when kids are getting out of school and everybody can go see them. Now that's starting to change because people are they're starting to realize that blockbusters are more for, you know, the 19 to 26-year-old male, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, and... That's the good side where we're starting to get some really good movies that come out in the summer that get this amount of money thrown at them. But a lot of people don't realize in the 70s there was this really – it was called The Golden Window where uh, Easy Rider in the early 70s broke open Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And they were able to start getting small independent movies to be made. They started – like if you ever read the book Easy Riders Raging Bulls, they they go over the whole thing in the seventies how people like uh, you know um, Peter Bogdanovich and Dennis Hopper and Brian De Palma, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, like all of these cats got to start making these really small, intimate, personal movies that Hollywood was distributing, and that's what led eventually it like led up to Jaws, and from Jaws, George Lucas was like, huh. And he made a very small personal movie called Star Wars that was that the studio fucking hated. Mm-hmm. They didn't fucking want it. Oh, they yeah. didn't fucking understand it. They ripped it apart in editing, saving it, technically, mm-hmm. um, and released it. And it became this huge thing. Like, audiences created the blockbuster. Jaws oh, yeah. didn't create the blockbuster. Star Wars didn't create the blockbuster. They just happened to be the first two that audiences went that fucking movie. Yeah. And they kept going to see it again and again and again. And they were like, you bet your ass I'll buy a bunch of shit that's got that logo on it. And they kept doing it. So there's this constant thing where a lot of film uh, film studies teachers and film philosophers uh, shit on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to shit on Jaws. Because Jaws is amazing. Right. But they shit on Star Wars for creating that blockbuster idea. Mm-hmm. 
Not in my well, not in my personal experience, but I, I suppose I could see that. Like you were saying that they uh, in in your in my in my experiences, all the the teachers that I've had. Uh, shout out to Mr. Dunphy in Ooh. high school BOCES. Uh, he used Star Wars as a, a jumping off point for uh, teaching us just how to tell a basic story, the story of the hero's journey, because mm-hmm. Star Wars perfectly hits every beat of Joseph Campbell's theory of the hero's journey mm-hmm. in like very like more obvious ways, but in a way that like everyone can understand. Everyone knows who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. Everyone has something to connect to. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's you know, a pretty good reason why the, the movie, like, caught on as so right. much and as it did. Right, and it's because it's so uh, relatable. Absolutely. You can, you can obviously, like, right away just click right into the shoes of, I'm Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I'm especially if you're male. All of this stuff, right. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Princess Leia, and you're just like, this is a different kind of princess, because all of a sudden, the first thing she does, like, after they save her, she's like, give me that fucking gun. Yeah. Let's go! And, like, just takes she's control. like, you didn't think this through? I'm gonna save all her asses. Yeah, and it's like, you got me out of the cell, but you guys don't know how to get out of here? Yeah. All right, I'll take this, because she's, that's literally her job, is, yeah. like, like, figuring out plans to, like, Break into shit and steal shit. She's way more of a rebel than Han Solo thinks he is. She's mm-hmm. the only one that's a rebel in that scene, mm-hmm. technically. Yeah, you know, like uh, he, like a rebel by the by Star Wars standards, right? You know, she's only the only one that's actually part of the rebellion, right? You know, uh, and that's why Han Solo fits in there so well in Empire, even though he's still trying to go away. Is like he's a rebel at heart. Yes, and fighting with the rebellion is just like the obvious thing. Oh, excuse me, that he needs to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Empire is considered one of the best ones because the first one just takes care of all the groundwork. These guys are already great friends at the beginning of Empire and we don't need anything else. We're, we don't need to be told, like, why is Han Solo going out and risking his life to save Luke Skywalker, who, like, could be dead for all he knows. He's just like, he's my friend. Boom, and you go. Mm-hmm. So that's Empire owes a lot of credit to the first Star Wars. Of absolutely. course. Absolutely. As they, any great sequel should. Right, absolutely. Well, it's a se- uh, in terms of like sequels that like I feel continue like, the plot. Right. Well, I feel like Terminator 2 is a weird one where it's like, you really don't need to see Terminator 1 to get Terminator 2. I was talking with somebody about this the other day. And it's like, Aliens... You gotta see Alien to really get what's going yeah. on, to understand what she went through. Mm-hmm. In Terminator 2, Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connor, is so detached from who she was because she's gone through, you know, uh, close to 15 years of shit yeah. since we last saw her that she's just PTSD'd the fuck out. Yeah, and, and she's a completely different character. Yeah. And they talk about who she used to be, but who she used to be didn't really matter. It doesn't really matter to Terminator 2. It matters to the Terminator. Mm-hmm. But in Terminator 2, it doesn't matter. And I was talking about like really good sequels. Like Empire doesn't count because it's it's the classic Scream 2 excuse. It's part of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh it's not it's not a sequel. It's part of a trilogy, a con- right. a continuing story. Yeah, there's a reason why pa- they call it episode. Exactly. If it's got episode in it, if it's got part in it, you know, that's probably, that's a part of a series. It's Mm -hmm. part of a canon. So that doesn't count. Like the best sequels ever made, you know, like Terminator 2, Aliens, John Wick 2. Honestly, I'll throw it out there. I saw that earlier this year and I was like, fucking kidding me? Yeah. Uh, The Dark Knight. Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is one of the best. But again, that's part of a 
tr- a very obvious trilogy. But Godfather. you could totally God, Godfather yeah. Part Two, Part Two, Part Three. Exactly. I don't think it counts, but also very different movies. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, the best sequels are always the ones that take the character, like they took Ellen Ripley from Alien, who was just this kind mm-hmm. of stern, uh, strong character who just gets put in this situation and tries to take care of everybody, but everybody just ends up dying. Mm-hmm. And the second one, she's just like. I tried to be fucking nice last time. This is fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. And very motherly too. They kind of create they get they get more motherly on it. And it's complete role reversal for her. And the same with Terminator 2, like we talked about. Sarah Connor's character goes from, you know, just this kind of like babysitter's club type, just girl going through life, not sure what she wants, and a little hesitant to speak up for herself. And through those events, she becomes fucking super warrior woman yeah. in the second one. And so, yeah. like, those movies are the ones that really, like, think about the tone of Empire. Even though it doesn't count as a sequel, the tone of Empire is completely different oh, than yes. the first Star it's Wars. Classic... The first Star Wars is hopeful mm. and fun and adventurous and exciting. Mm. Empire is dark and sad and scary yeah. and sad like yeah. it's sad I it's remember a, the first time I saw Han Solo get frozen in carbonite it's also, I thought they were killing him I was I, like oh my god I also I think Empire has a lot more magic than the first one mm-hmm. specifically with like Yoda being introduced and the right whole, like we get a whole movie that's Yoda talking yeah to Luke we only get like Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. missing for like five minutes yeah he's just like oh you can block blaster bolts and then Yoda's like no you can lift ships out of, <laughs> out of the water and you can do a lot more than that I mean, that's, that's a whole a, new world. It's a common thing with a lot of trilogies to have the second one be the darkest. Because yeah. you, you put your characters at your absolute lowest and have the absolute biggest uh, struggle and conflict. So in the third one, there's that huge satisfying mm-hmm. payoff. Yeah, it acts as like the second act in a movie, only it's mm-hmm. in a trilogy in a three-part. Yeah, And mm-hmm. that's, that's how the Star Wars trilogies function. Mm-hmm. It, on their own, they're, they're good, but as... The three movies, the three trilogies, it spans a whole story that creates a first act, second act, and three-act stru- three structure that makes the story a lot more potent than just a standalone movie. Mm-hmm. Because if they, if Star Wars was only just this movie, people would have so many questions. Like, <laughs> like how, how, Clone Wars? What the hell yeah, is this? Clone Wars? How's the lightsaber work? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, and if it just stopped there... Are um... they brother and sister? <laughs> <laughs> But it's a very satisfying movie on its own. This first... The, For sure. Yeah, it's like... Uh, oh, it is. You can really see how they were kind of like... I, I mean... They've said before like that they never planned on making any more. Mm-hmm. That they were just making Star Wars and they are making the beginning of these characters going on these space adventures. And that it was supposed to end and then you were supposed to be like... And then they lived happily ever after. They went on a bunch of stuff. But like they don't... Are we meant to infer that the Empire is destroyed from the ending of this movie? Like, I know obviously they're not mm-hmm. because we've seen the sequels. Yeah. But when this movie came out in 1977, they didn't release that there was going to be another one for at least a year. Yeah. So when people saw this, were they just like, they beat the bad guys? I, I Even though the guy in the black suit is just like... I'll be back one day. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you that they didn't set up, like, the whole hierarchy of the Empire, like the Emperor and stuff. Mm -hmm. He doesn't show up at all. Right. 
but and all you see is the officers and that you know around that circle table and they all die they blow yeah. up in the ship so all all the bad guys except darth vader they all die they all die so there's nothing in this movie that that tells you oh no there's like there's you know tens of thousands of more star destroyers millions of planets and souls that are controlled mm-hmm. by the empire there's nothing like that in there i mean i think like through the story of this one it's pretty much inferred that there's one death star this is like a super weapon that yeah. they've been building for a long time the empire took over from the old republic we mm-hmm. hear that yes uh they dissolved the senate they dissolved everything and they have been taking over the universe piece by piece, essentially. Tatooine is on, like, the outskirts, mm-hmm. where it's like, they don't really care about that. Yeah, it's like, there's place. no there's no law. Right, yeah, there. it's kind of like, that's why we go to Mos Eisley, and it's like this spaceport where they're just like, we don't fucking do whatever we want, we're just mm-hmm. shooting people. Yeah. And uh, I also like, too, your explanation of uh, the Han Solo Greedo scene. It's oh, like, yeah. Han didn't shoot first. He was the Han, only one that Han shot. the only one that shot. Like, he, he just shot. Like, he didn't, he, Greedo didn't shoot him, and then he shot at him. Mm-hmm. It's, Han was the only one that shot. Greedo never got a shot in, he never got a punch in, he just blew up. He was yeah. just gunned so down. He was just gone. So that argument always makes me a little bit mad, because he was the only one that shot. Mm-hmm. Is it a real argument, or is it just people just poking fun at those special editions? Oh, I think, I, I think it's both, I think it's but both, I, it's yeah. a real argument. Like, I have gotten into... I've gotten into like drunken it's a, fist fights with people a, over Star Wars. Oh my god! Over the course of it's like, a talking heated about these debate movies. among yeah. Star Wars. Fans. Yeah, like you heard me earlier. I've said that like Attack of the Clones is probably my favorite one of the prequels. Right. If I had to like sit down, that's because there's moments Which is in shocking there to me that right? I really think work. Right, and um, it's a shitty movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> but there's moments in there where I'm just like, fuck yeah! Like I said, like the whole. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, as a kind of gumshoe detective, mm. like, kind of, like, going out and, like, he goes to a planet and finds a planet where they're like, it's a bunch of the same dude, and we got these long neck guys, and they're like, yeah, we're building this shit, didn't you know about that? Like, there's a lot of stuff about that where I'm like, this is really cool, and it looks cool, it's just the way that everything is presented together starts to jumble up, and mm. everything else that's happening besides that in the movie. I mean, uh, on just that point, uh, it's really cool to see, like, an able-bodied Jedi knight who's able to, right. like, use the top force of his will, form, top of his game, yeah. is able to just figure out this mystery and what's going that's on. That's really cool to me. Yeah, I yeah. agree And then, well. like, because by the time you get into three, they're focused more on Anakin again and yeah. his whole thing. In the second one... It really feels like Anakin's just another character in this larger story. Yes. You know, like in the first one, he's barely in it because it's, yeah. it's really, uh, I mean, that's the whole thing. There's no main character in The Phantom yeah, Menace. And that's, that's one of the one, main things It's one of the biggest it. negatives that I have for it as like, well. Like there's no it's one true. to follow. And that's one I was going to ask about with uh, this, uh, A New Hope with, with episode four. But before that, uh, it's like there's no main character in The Phantom Menace and in Attack of the Clones, there's no main character, but it's in a good way, I feel. Like, where it's kind of like... There's, like, equally, Yeah, it's equally distributed... This equally distributed story between, you know, Obi-Wan doing this, like, detective shit mm-hmm. and... Um, the Coruscant Hayden, crew. Hayden Skywalker and... <laughs> Hayden Skywalker. Uh, Nicole, uh, Natalie, Amidala. Nick- Kira Knightley, uh, Kira Natalie Knightley Corbin. Standin. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, Kieran Knightley couldn't is. return for the second one, so they got Natalie Portman in there. Um, 
No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that. Um, Yeah, and then in the second one, and then in the third one, it's right back to, like, this is Anakin's story. Yeah. It's really kind of Anakin and Obi-Wan's story a little bit more because they weren't really together in the second one. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm coming to these terms now. You know, I'm 31 years old. Uh, I've still got a lot of growing up to do. And I think one of those things that I can do to mature myself and better myself is to really take in those prequels again and see <laughs> what they do for me as a person. Not what they do for Star Wars mm-hmm. culture and, you know, what I believe Star Wars is supposed to be. Like, what do they, what do, they do for me just as a person disconnected mm-hmm. from Star Wars? And I've been really, those are the only things that I don't own. I own oh, really? I own fucking Turkish Star Wars. Wow. I own The Force <laughs> Awakens. I own Rogue One. I do not own any of the prequels. Wow. Because I've never been able to bring myself to buy them. Do you own the I, holiday special on a bootleg? No, I own YouTube. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I have a YouTube account. Yeah, please don't have a physical copy of the holiday special. <laughs> like, honestly, actually, I'd love to have that on my shelf. That'd be pretty good. Tuck that right between... Force Awakens and uh, Rogue One. That's where it belongs. <laughs> right um, but yeah, like A New Hope, uh, episode four, in uh, like uh, judging it as like, what's the story about? Mm-hmm. You know, Luke Skywalker is the main character. Absolutely. He's the one that 100%. we, he's the protagonist. He's the one that we associate with right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And we follow him, and he befriends these people, and gets these enemies, and comes out on top in the end, gets to prove himself. Hey, and it's also about making the family as well. It's bringing the band, bringing together. the band together. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Fast Five of Star Wars. <laughs> the first Star Wars. It's all about family. It's all about the family. family. <laughs> Vin Diesel is like just like channeling Han Solo from 1977. <laughs> Harrison Ford. But for real though, it's um you know if you show like a small child. You know, they're, like, blown away that they see the origin story of these, like, just classic characters that they just right. know. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's still, like, unnerving to this day. Just sitting down and watching, like, watching, like, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker talk to each other and they don't know who each other are. Yeah. And they're just, like, you know, I love that kind of uh, bickering that starts between them where it's just, like, they fucking hate each other. Yeah, like they're so Luke, different. Luke is very jealous of Han Solo's like confidence mm-hmm. and and like charm, and he he's angry about that, so he just hates him. And then Han Solo is just very much annoyed by this little kid, mm-hmm. um, which I hope we see some of that in the Han Solo movie, where it's like when he's younger, maybe somebody treats him like that, yes. and like maybe that's where it comes from. Absolutely, uh, because but I love how they immediately become like really good friends through uh i'd say probably like with like escaping the death star mm. when they're shooting everything away and it's like great kid don't get cocky they still mm. like kind of hate each other but in that working together mm-hmm. they they become pretty tight and that's why i also like in force awakens when ray and finn do that in the yes. exact same way it's a really good way to get them together but it's also funny too because finn just got done doing that uh, with um, Poe Dameron. Poe, yeah. yeah. Like, the literally just yeah. got done doing that exact same thing. Yeah. They put Finn in this thing, like, all right, shoot shit. And he's like, well, that's one thing I know how to do. Yeah. And in that scene with uh, Luke and Han, right before they go off to the, de- 
to the Death Star, and Han is like, "Nah, I don't, I don't want to do this." Mm-hmm. And even though Luke and Han haven't known each other for that long, Luke feels like genuinely hurt. Yeah, that, yeah. That well, he's, he's like, "I thought that, him. yeah, come on, like, yeah, you're my buddy." He like calls you out because he he's just like, you know, you're the best at just taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. and it's that selfish theme that like makes Han Solo realize, oh, you know, maybe I'm there's more to me than just money. And just like trying to get by, maybe I should actually I can actually make a difference, mm-hmm. which is what he wants to be at heart because he doesn't like the empire. Who no one likes the empire mm-hmm. unless you're part of it. Another very relatable theme that caught on to many people, and another huge reason why uh, it's as popular as it is. I mean, I always thought Han Solo really just kind of went back because he's always wanted to fly out of a sun and go yeehaw. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's like. The perfect time to do that. Mm-hmm. Save the, save all your friends. Save the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Fly out of a sun and scream yeehaw. Which is why I like that when Starkiller Base blows up, it turns into a star, because it's like yeah, that's really cool. It's yeah. like it's like uh, ah, what's poor left Force of him. Awakens. <laughs> poor Force Awakens. Poor Force Awakens. People are so mean to that movie. I uh, people are mean to all the Star Wars movies though. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, I'm hoping that we live in like we live in like you know. These are garbage times, as they've been called. <laughs> and I really... and There's I, been a lot of garbage like, times. Really, like, for the past three years, movies have really been kicking ass. I agree. You know, like, think about, think about just, like, in general, like, uh, uh, distribution companies, like Alamo Drafthouse and A24. Neon and A24. Yeah. yeah, like... Amazon. They've been around for, like, Amazon. three or four years now, and they've just been pumping out great shit. And really think about like blockbusters that we've got coming and that have that have come out like, it, like we we got Rogue One like uh, a non Skywalker Star Wars story that mm-hmm. was successful and pretty good yeah, and we've got like a Spider Man movie coming up where Spider Man's fifteen years old and living <laughs> in Queens and yep. he stays in Queens in high school uh, high school drama coming Logan mm-hmm. Logan uh, I mean. What did I just see, too? That, like, blue... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. You know? Like, this is a movie that is a... That is a sequel to a a superhero film that is part of a highly franchised... uh, ...conglomerate of Disney. Yeah. That talks about uh, family issues and deadbeat dads and, like, ego and empathy and learning how to understand yourself so that you can better understand people like this thing has lessons to teach not just kids just like general people that still might be fucked up when they're like 31 years old yeah this has things to teach you like that movie i'm writing a an essay about the two movies right now that hopefully will get up on the website before the end of the month um about how like uh guardians of the galaxy volume 2 healed some like let me un unpack some of my like daddy issue baggage that I didn't know that I had. Oh, wow. And it's just like, Jesus, that's like the first one really. Like my my mom has cancer mm-hmm. and she's had cancer for a long time. She's doing really good. But that's in the first film. His mother dying of cancer was always something that struck me right away. Yeah. In so, Guardians was like, it me got too. me. I cry at the beginning of that movie and I cry at the end of that movie. And then I cry again at the end of that movie when he reads her note because it just gets there. Mm-hmm. And I also have a very similar relationship um, or lack thereof with my dad as Peter Quill has with his dad ego. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar. I even kind of look like 
Chris Pratt, like fat Chris Pratt, <laughs> like Parks and Recreation season one Chris right, Pratt. Right, yeah, right, I right. look like that. I, um, I would agree. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and so, like, we're getting movies like this that are pushing what blockbusters can be. And I think that when people say that they don't like blockbusters, they might be thinking about things like Transformers yeah. or the fact that they're just pumping out Marvel movies. Like, I can't tell you how many times there are people that I can talk to, you know, about films like uh, The Seventh Seal and Citizen Kane and Hitchcock movies. And we can talk about, like, Near Dark and, like, these little B movies from, like, the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I fucking hate those Marvel movies. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Like, you haven't seen, like, I was like, you have not seen Iron Man. If you say that you don't like Marvel movies, you have not seen Iron Man. Iron Man is like B-movie heaven with a budget. Yeah. Like, that movie should not have worked, and it kicked everything off. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're going to tell me, you're going to sit there, and you're going to tell me that you love, like, spy thrillers from the fucking uh, mid-70s and late-70s, and you don't like Winter Soldier? You're an idiot. You're you're a moron. Totally Just because it's got big things falling and big explosions, like, yeah, those are fun. You know, you don't need butter and salt on popcorn to make it taste good. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. You know? Well, there's there's a thing as recency bias, which I think a lot of those people don't, like, try to force themselves not to have, right. like, a recency unbiased. So there's like, oh, no, I don't, I, I don't like the new thing because mm-hmm. you don't want to be like everyone else. And that way you yeah. want to think you're like, you're, you're different. Right. You're, and I mean, have that's a different critical that we'll eye. Ever, ever be able to get rid of, you yeah. know, that's that, that kind of neutral milk hotel thing, as I like to call it. <laughs> uh, but man, this movie, this, this, this movie is just a, a cultural phenomenon because it, it functions as both a cheesy action movie that you can like laugh at and enjoy or it's a movie that you can actually like pay attention to and see the serious yeah, parts we, in it. Yeah, we we got sucked into that ending because yeah. we were <laughs> I mean, we've seen this movie I don't know, man. I got to tell you, I've probably seen Empire at least a, a hundred times. I'm in the triple digits. Oh, same. This movie, I've probably same. seen like a good 50 times. Like, no uh, exaggeration. I'm fairly certain that it's about that. This is the one that I've seen the most. Yeah. The, the special the edition. The special edition. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, Empire is the one that I've definitely watched the most. Like, Empire, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future. Oh, These great, movies, great I just movies. watch and I just, I eat them. Uh, I was actually watching Scream. Oh yeah. Last night, because uh, I set up my projector in my new house. It's another movie into. that's like mm-hmm. similar in like you could love it as a cheesy movie, or Very you could much love so. it oh, as yeah. the that's serious why like movies. slasher movies yeah. that it is. And I realized that uh, fun little fact for you, Scream fans out there listening to a Star Wars podcast. Yep. <laughs> uh, the movie is an hour and fifty minutes long, and if you're familiar with Scream, you know about the house party at the end that like the movie ends at. Mm-hmm. That house party starts. 50 minutes into the movie. They are at that house party for an hour. Over half the length of the movie. I realized it last night because I just paused. Like, I've never checked and seen, like, what the runtime is. Like, when they get to the house. Like, Mm -hmm. that music cue. Like, they're at the house. Mm -hmm. There's a whole hour left of that movie. And I was was telling my girlfriend about it. And she was like, is that crazy? And I'm like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, it takes place at one location. Because most people, when they remember Scream, they think about the mask. It's a horror movie. The pop culture references. Nobody ever brings up like half of that movie is a, over half that movie is a bottle episode. Yeah. All takes place inside the house or right up the road from the house. That's just true. just from my own memory, I just assumed the set piece of the house was just like the third act. 
and it wasn't like even part no, of the second no, act. No, like it is like it's that's, like most that's of the movie. Right in the middle of the second act is when like that all sh- like that, that, whole shit that starts. I yeah, I just pictured like uh, the third act is pretty much when uh, just before like Billy starts getting stabbed. And, like, then she starts escaping, like, when everything escalates at the party. In my head, I just picture, like, the party starts, Rose McGowan gets killed, then the reveal. But there's, like, a whole bunch there's more There's a there. whole bunch of shit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rose McGowan getting killed is pretty much at the beginning of the party. Okay, mm-hmm. right. Uh, <laughs> more on that. More, more on, on that later. More on that later. This is a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, I plan on doing, we plan on doing some really fun horror movie stuff for our first uh, Halloween for doing podcasts. Excited for so that. We're going to do a lot. Of Halloween stuff, but that's still a long ways away. Uh, I really like talking to, about Star Wars with you guys. We should start doing this like monthly. I'd be down, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I can talk about Star Wars until you know I need to go to bed eventually. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, all right. I mean, that's pretty much all I got to say about A New Hope. I mean, I'm sure we can get What's some left more to stuff say of A New Hope. I mean, I, fantastic well to go on what you were saying we were so captivated by you know the trench run scene oh right i think what's so great about that scene and why it still holds up to this day is because the editing is great and also the special effects carry it yeah it's like there's very there's barely any acting in that it's all just people like just standing around just like looking at stuff Mm -hmm. or like saying one line and there's like great lines but the tension is all the delivery of those lines that they came from behind yeah yeah loosen up (laughs) Uh, it's so good. I just or when uh go, when Red Leader gets shot, you just can't you can't help but like the music. You know what's gonna happen? It's almost like a song that you want to sing along to. Yes, it's all forward momentum. Like yes. that scene just just moves mm-hmm. literally forward, and that's probably what makes it so like so tense. Yeah, because we were talking throughout stop. the whole movie, just like joshing back and forth about like what we like about Star Wars, but like as soon as that trench run started, like we shut up. Yeah. And I realized that we were quiet for like ten minutes. I was like, oh geez, like we this really drew us in. Yeah. Well because the the first the first act of the movie is very much very slow. Like, nothing's explained. No one's, like, really talking about things. Yeah, nothing really happens. We're shown these two droids that one doesn't even talk. The other one is, like, a, you know, a cyborg mm-hmm. robot that's, like, saying some witty stuff. Yeah. And it's it does it's not relatable, but for the story, it's important because it brings Luke Skywalker into yeah. the fold. It's not setting the tone up. or anything. It's yeah. pretty much just, like, explaining these characters and who they're going to be. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, it's Where like they're the gonna first, end up. The first like act of the movie is very much kind of just like, you know, just kind of like a not very funny comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, oh, it's a piece of junk. Well, no, don't talk about my ship like that. Like, <laughs> and they get off the planet. And then the second act of the movie is kind of just like a uh, a heist and get out movie where like mm-hmm. they, they get into this place. They've got to get around it, get this thing and get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And then the third is just a straight up war movie is just like uh, the third it's act. The Star is just Wars. Straight up, the, the Return Star of the Elixir. Wars. The wars in the stars. Yes. Mm-hmm. The war in the stars. The stars war. Definitely. <laughs> the war stars. Uh, well, what thank you uh, so much for listening to this uh, episode of Star Wars Overdrinkers. Uh, uh, stay tuned. Yeah, we're going to do this again. Let's, yes. do, let's do some more of these. This is a lot of fun, and we won't isolate ourselves to one. And, you know, I always like how I can just start talking about Scream and shit yeah. <laughs> in a Star Wars podcast. I'm just horrible We're at pretty this. big movie buffs as it is. Yeah, I, I, I hope people dig that. I, I've gotten some criticism before, but it was positive. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I like how you just go off on tangents like – 
Mm-hmm. You're t- supposed to be talking about Fast and the Furious, and all of a sudden you're like, you're talking about The Little Mermaid for some reason for like <laughs> ten minutes, and I'm just like, Little Mermaid's a fucking good movie. I mean, I well, you you brought up uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, the second one, and much of the theme is very similar to the theme of Star Wars. You know, mm-hmm. like family, father, son. You know, father problems. Both themes very like much. I mean, I love the 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 recycling of Luke, I am your father, to I'm your dad, Peter. Like, yeah, that's very much yes. like that's what it is. Like it's the laid back attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the bringing up other movies, the best way to understand a certain movie is to look at other movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially movies that were inspired by Star Wars. Of course. Mm-hmm. Because Guardians of the, Guardians of the Galaxy especially was very much inspired by oh, Star absolutely. Wars. Especially the scene where they're in the asteroid field and they're like, oh, the, the odds of navigating this is yeah, yeah, astronomical I mean, that, or whatever. Stuff, At this yeah. point, they're both made by the same company. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which there is, it is. Which is also I mean, kind of come on, man. Crazy. Disney is, uh, they, they got everything. Uh, great. All right. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, stay tuned for more podcasts coming from Story Screen Presents. We got a lot of content to drop over the next couple weeks. It's mm-hmm. going to be really good. We got a great uh, Devil's Candy podcast. Me That's and Jeremy true. sat down and watched Devil's Candy a bit ago and uh, talked about it afterwards. Uh, that's going to be a really good one. Uh, we've also got a train spotting podcast dropping soon. And yeah, I don't want to spoil any more because like, they're just kind of fun to come up with and and throw at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so uh, I'm Mike Burge. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Jeremy Kolajewski. I'm Brian Castellano. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Bye. Got a bad feeling about this one. Awesome. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. There we are. Yes. Siblings. Yes. 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 No. 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 Maybe. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. I know. Yes. Yes. Okay. See.